12.45 p.m. It is the 21st of October, 2020. We are the team at the Architecture Social. I'm your show host, Jack Moran, joined as always by the lovely Stephen Drew and William Ridgway. Boys, how are you doing today? Hello. Hello. Excellent. Excellent stuff. And we have the privilege of, uh, we're joined by a special guest today, aren't we? Mr. Stephen Glanz, who we've had the privilege of working alongside a McDonald and company for some time. Stephen Glanz, how are you doing today? I am very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. How are you? No, are you all right? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. As, much, as good as one can be during uh, this year, but we do truck on. Wonderful um, year. Oh, <laughs> just, we keep going, though. So, Mr. Drew, your topic that you've gone with today, I think, is going to be quite beneficial for a lot of the architect graduates and above who have been, say, struggling maybe to find a job. If they haven't been yeah. watching our top tips in the, you know, over the podcast we've been doing since the summertime. So what's your reasoning behind this, Stephen? I just thought it would be good to take a little moment and we're going to do a top 10 tips. Top 10 tips. We're going to try it out. If I seem a little bit distracted right now, it, it's because I have, because there's an error in how to go live on LinkedIn. So I'm not too sure if we are live on LinkedIn or not. Um, either way... We will work. We will work it out. I can see that ten people have joined the chat already. Hi, guys. So why not top ten tips? I think it's really good that we've covered so much ground in the last few weeks, months. We've done some awesome topics. We've we've gone in. We've delved deep into CVs. We've delved deep into portfolios, um, and and that's a lot to take in. So I just thought it would be good to take a quick moment together, and we can flash through. These top 10 tips that we have, we can we can change them, we can tweak them, we can disagree. And not that you would disagree, boys, because my list is amazing. Only joking. My list, my list definitely my list definitely needs changing. But the point is, I think it's nice to take a moment and we can kind of reflect on what we think are maybe the most important things. That's the point of the top 10 tips. All right. Cool. Shall, shall we dive into tip number one? What do we say? To get, get Stephen away from the horns. <laughs> Take me away from the horns. Right. Tip number one. So we're going to do it. Well, we need like a little drum roll noise or something. Are you going to do a little sound effect? I don't know. Do you have? Do you not have one on your soundboard? I do. I do. But if I start going into that now, we might lose more viewers. Okay. Well. All right, I'll, I'll do a little one here now. Oh. <laughs> hey, there you go. Okay, we're working on it. So top tip number one that we put is to do with CVs. So at the moment, CVs. Clear, concise, and grammatically correct. Now, Stephen Glantz, we've worked together for three years. Absolutely love working alongside you. You are a veteran of the architectural recruitment industry with over 15 years of experience, and you've seen over 15 years worth of CVs. And when I put in grammatically correct here, I thought in particular that you would enjoy this particular topic. Do you the want to kind is, of run? The irony is, is one of my weaknesses, but I think it's, the point is, is there's a lot of people's weaknesses. Um, so the point is to double check it or get someone else to double check it. Mm. Because uh, first impressions last, you only get one chance with a CV. Um, so yeah, getting it correct, spelling, grammar, content, message, mega important because I mean think of think of the world we live in the amount of information flying around on all the social media advertising news flashes articles emails hundreds hundreds of notifications we all get as individuals every day mm. so an email into an inbox of a CV is the same it's another bit of information so how much time that person got to look at it and make a decision honestly five to ten seconds uh, that's important to get it right. Yeah, I think I think so. And and going to that point, I think grammar is important. You mentioned five to ten seconds. I completely agree, and that's why clear and concise. I always think is key. It's about getting the point across on what you who you are, what you're about, where you are, what you've done, quick as possible. I think anything that kind of detracts from that in terms of funky formatting, chunky. CVs which are hard to load or things which are not eligible are going to completely detract 
from the, the, the whole point of it. Um, Jack, what do you think, CVs? So it's interesting. When we um, started doing this podcast, one of our first episodes was, you know, a real dissection of the CV. And what Stephen Glanz uh, just picked up on is, I think, the most fundamental part. People who are looking at your CVs within the architecture practices also have a lot of other tasks to do. You know, they, they are... It might be an office manager, it might be HR, or it might be someone in a lead design role. They are going to be a very busy person regardless. They are not going to spend a whole day just looking at CVs because they have other things to do. Like Stephen Glenn mm. said, five to 10 seconds, they're going to be looking at your CV and portfolio. If there are things like grammatical errors, it's really not going to give a good first impression. And like Mr. Glenn said, it is all about first impressions. If you are someone who you know doesn't take the time to look over your work, even your, something as basic as your CV and make sure that everything's spelled correctly, it's all uh, formatted correctly, and the layout is how you wish to present it, then they're not really going to give you a second look because all they're going to say is, well, if this is the lack of detail and attention that's gone into their CV, how are they going to perform on a project if, you know, they're yeah. evidently not looking back at these small fundamental aspects of a CV? How can we trust them to do that on, you know, a technical detailing? So it's, it's, a, small, it's, a, it's a small thing, but I don't think it's given enough attention generally you know i i do think mm. that um, and it doesn't just have to be graduates i've seen you know i've seen associates i've seen lead design people with errors on their cv it affects everyone and it has mm. such a detrimental effect if you do not take the small amount of time it would to take you know just to look back over your cv or present it to a, a friend or a family member and just say do you mind just double checking this for me just to make sure that i've got everything right and correct yeah. that small bit of extra effort will go the extra <clears throat> way i hear you and also in the background, we were tweaking that. I've got LinkedIn to work live, so we should be now live on LinkedIn. Sorry, this is all new to me as well. I think that's fantastic. I think that really kind of summarizes that point. Let's jump onto the second one, and then maybe what we can do is have a little debate about what we would change, what we wouldn't. So the other one I put is portfolios, because kind of CVs and portfolios goes hand in hand in architecture. And portfolios, I put a few tips that I thought were generally um, good points and see what you think. So I think every portfolio, try to keep it under 10 meg because you get stuck, in, they get stuck in inboxes, 10 to 15 pages. And this is me more thinking about on a graduate level, uh, Steve and Will, Jack, you know, kind of talking about maybe not too much and um, you don't want to kind of go off on one and you can get some really good portfolios which have five pages. But if you're kind of aiming for 10, I think that can be the kind of the sweet spot in terms of the ebb and flow, showcase a variety of skills, software, sectors, etc. And that was kind of my thoughts in terms of it's always good to be literal. This project I use Revit, this uh, CV and this portfolio, um, you you basically say in this image, I, when I was modeling it, I used uh, Revit. I used, did this in 3D Studio Max. This was a residential project or this was an academic project where I was looking at universities. So, Steve, what was your thoughts on portfolios? I got some rules. <laughs> ah, yes, I want to hear the rules. Okay, uh, Stephen's glances rules. Let's do it. No, no, I mean, people might be shocked by that five to ten second thing we've been talking about. Well, that five to ten seconds is is the reader establishing if they actually want to read it in detail and look at the thing in detail. So it's a decision whether do I continue reading or do I delete? Uh, Paul Fido's um, similar. We need to get the message across clearly and quickly. It should be yes. clean, well-presented documents, not just cut and paste. Uh, so that's rule number one. Rule number two, yeah, enough to show off your work but not so much that you lose the reader's interest because they haven't got time to look through 45 pages. So, Steve, I think your 10 to 15 pages is a rule of thumb, a good one. Um, yeah. Third rule, don't try and cram too much on one page. If something's worth showing, show it off. Have some impact. Give it half a page. Give it full page. Um, rule number four are we on now? Don't just flash an image up because it means nothing without saying what it is and what you did on it. I can get an image from a website and stick it on a page. Mm. I'm not, you know, I'm a recruitment consultant. I didn't design that building. If you did work in that building, what did you do? Were you an assistant? Was it stage four? You know, what did you do? Did you use Revit on it? It doesn't need much content because after all, in the portfolio, we're showing off the projects and the work samples rather than talking about everything you've done in your career. But it does need yeah. enough. 
to tell us what the relevance of this is, and it needs to be shown off quite nicely. Um, under 10 megs, yes, Steve, things get firewalled and blocked over 10 megs sometimes, not always, but sometimes. So I think those, those are roughly speaking my, my rules. I love it. Okay. Well, do you have so many rules? Um, are you gonna ha- it's going to be hard to top oh, 10 rules. They were good rules. Yeah, no, good rules. Um, I don't good rules, Steve. I, I agree with completely with all of them. Uh, one thing I might add is the, uh, the, the the order in which you do the portfolio. A lot of people do um, it can do it upside down. So, for example, their earliest piece of work at the top all the way down to the latest piece mm. of work at the bottom, which is the mm. wrong way to do it. You should always... Um, my rule of thumb is you should always put the most relevant piece of work at the top. Usually that's the most recent, um, but um, yeah, generally the most eye-catching piece because as Stephen said, you want to grab the attention and the way to do that is by having the big project at the front and then so it encourages the reader to carry on reading through. But um, not too much more to add on to that, really. It's a good point that, Will, if you don't mind me just jumping in here, because we do get asked the question, should I order my portfolio by typology? And obviously this is for people with a little bit more experience behind it. Should I have a residential section, office section? Um, There there isn't a precise answer to that, frankly speaking. Um, You could either put it in most recent project first, or you could split it up into the different typologies. If you do split it up into typologies, Either look at what Will says, the most impressive or uh, the, the project you're most proud of, or the most recent project of that typology, and then repeat with the different typologies. But the reason we recruiting results talk about typology so much is because the employers talk about typology so much. You know, you get a practice that only does residential, um, and they only do residential in the UK, they need to to know that the applicants have an enthusiasm for residential, they need to know that they understand the regulations, the policies, the planning system, space standards. There's tons of regularity stuff around resi. Um, so, of course, they want to see that as, as a typology. If you start showing them, I don't know, some light industrial projects and a data centre and a hospital, you'll have lost them before they get to the resi stuff at the end. Um, so I think having content say, here's my residential work, here's my office work, at least then the reader can say, right, ah, they've got what I'm looking for. Let me just skip to page six, maybe, you know, as an example. Well said. I think, I think that's, uh, that's perfect. Okay, so the next point I had, uh, gentlemen, is when you go your job search, we talked about in terms of content, we talked about CV and portfolios. Now, in the past, I've done it and I've been guilty of it myself, of when you're sending your CVs, you literally, you're in the moment, okay, or you've spoken to a few people. You might have spoken to Stephen Glenn's. It's an interesting opportunity. You might have applied to one or two places and you can be in danger of kind of forgetting, right? You can be in danger of forgetting when you've sent your CV and who you sent it to. And, and the danger is if you're not following up, if you're not keeping track of all this stuff, then it's harder to follow up because you will forget. So one of the suggestions I put for number three was to get get organized. We talked a little bit about what's in the CV and portfolio. Now it's kind of like the the plan of attack, as you were, or how how to engage into it. And I always think that if you've you've got an Excel uh, database or something like that that you create, just in terms of very simple stuff, when you sent the CV, who it was to, email, the date, then it's really good because that means that you can then in a week or so follow up. You can get feedback, you can cross things out, and then you can hone in the search. I mean, it could be an Excel database, it could be Airtable. I've done a little template that I, I'll put a link to at the end of this where people can download a little template that I made. My thoughts was it's important to get organized what are your thoughts, gentlemen? Perhaps Steve or Will, you want to jump in on Jack? Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, organisation, the best the reason why organisation and the planning is um, important is that it allows you to uh, be more efficient in your search. So you're not necessarily, so, for example, if you're a graduate and, um, you know, you're applying to a lot, a lot of practices, you might accidentally overlap 
and you might send your CV back to the, the same practice again that you may have done a couple of months before. So it's important to have that database there so that you are aware of who you've sent your CV to and then more importantly, follow up. Because it's quite, it's quite easy to send off a CV, but it's easy to forget to follow up and you think, um, oh, did, someone, did I ring so-and-so last week? I can't remember. Or forget entirely about the application. Yeah. So always, always keep organized. And then that way is what you can plan on. So for example, if you're targeting a specific area, location, maybe you want to branch out, then you know which practices you've already gone through and then you can target a new set of practices and basically keep it all organized and uh, it just improves your search so much more. Yeah, I agree. Steve, what do you, what do you think about this uh, kind of idea? Well, put it simply, it's a good idea. Um, yes. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay, good. All right, so we all agree on that. Uh, okay, let's move on to the next point quickly. How to reach out and engage an employer. Okay, oh, let me rephrase. I should say that in the top tips, you need to reach out and engage your employers. So what is the most efficient way? So as I'm going to talk about it specifically in terms of if you're a graduate, or part one or part two, I think the search should be broader. Now, we had an interesting discussion a little bit before the show actually about this point as well, because obviously the further along you go in your career, the more your experience you have, the more niche skill set you've 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 got. I think you have to think consider you have to consider who you're engaging with and how your approach is more delicately. So top tip number four, let's rephrase what I've put there. What is the best way to reach out and engage an employer right now? What do you think, Steve? Stephen Glantz? Oh, hello. Um, well, you made a good point. Um, yeah, it depends what level you operate at. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it was a conversation I think you're referring to with graduates, people looking just for a job. They obviously yeah. want to know yeah. about your personality traits, they want to know about your um, academic credentials, your interests. Yeah. Uh, they want to know why you're interested in them specifically. I think this is a key point. Um, Employers don't just want to employ people because they need a job. They want to employ people because they're interested in the job with them specifically. Um, So remember that with any application, no matter what level you operate at. Um, But the more senior you get, it tends to be, you can end up getting specialised in certain typologies, not always, but you can do. And, And if you are, then you either need to focus on that typology a little bit more Um, particularly in a down market such as this one Mm. or if your market um, is down let's let's just say hotels for example you might think well how do I transfer that experience what should I be aiming for I had a chat with a guy this week or last week we are looking to transfer the hotel experience into luxury retirement which is a fairly good sector at the moment because they're not losing their jobs they're retired they've got lots of money there's big investment from the insurance companies so we're trying to transfer that experience over because we're saying hotel sectors down. So, um, again, that would hone your search as to who you're trying to engage. It would also hone how you present your material, so put your best book forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that kind of affects the, the format of your CV and your, your samples, actually, as well. Uh, okay, great. I like that. That I, I think that's well said. So I've actually messed up point number five because it's a similar one. So we, <laughs> we'll come back to You're point reaching five. Out. We're reaching out. Before we do, Stephen, if I can, I want to jump in and just say something about the, the engaging employers sure. there. Um, so, you know, over the last like, couple of months, Will and I have been doing quite a lot of research into practices around the UK. And definitely at the forefront is a lot of their social media presence, you know, with a lot of places going digital, um, a lot of their marketing comes down to their social media. What they would find, you know, quite attractive from a potential candidate would be someone who's engaging with them on Instagram posts or LinkedIn or Twitter. You know, a lot of practices will put their whole portfolio on their Instagram page because it's nice projects and they want to show it off. So if they're finding someone who's constantly engaging with them on their projects or, you know, mm. even like leaving comments about something technical or something architectural, they're going to take a notice to it. And then the person in marketing might say, oh, hold on, this person 
has applied. We've got this person's CV sitting in the in the other room, and they're like, oh, well, let's go have a look at it. Um, so I definitely think your presence on social media, you can really get attention off not all architecture practices, but those who have a strong presence on social media. It's, it's just quite a handy way. I think. I like what the theme of what you're more. talking about. I think in terms of engagement, if especially further in your career, I suppose you should be following practices, should be understanding projects. You should be engaged with the current market going and, and basically uh, follow, read in journals. You should be aware of what's got planning. And if you're interested in architecture practices, good to have a conversation with them based upon, you know, especially when you're going for an interview about their upcoming projects. And that kind of brings us on to the next point about preparing yeah, for an interview. Uh, if you don't mind, very yeah. small point. Um, I'm not I'm not meaning to tout business here, but our job is to stay in touch with the market. Mm. So both our, the employers, our clients, the hiring people, they ask us about market trends and what they should be doing because we chat to the whole market, whether it be developers, investors, practices, you name it. And equally, our candidates are asking us. So if you're after an idea of where you should be aiming, you could call a recruitment consultant because yeah. it's their job to know. Yeah, and I think it's important. Let's go on about that point because we touched upon it last time. Now, I was talking about it's more of right now it's a candidate-driven, um, it's a client-driven market. I kind of broke down what I thought, what definition was of a candidate market and a client market. Mm-hmm. But I do agree with you at that point, Steve. Of, um, I think if you're a graduate right now, it is good. You've got to really, and unfortunately, you've got to go for it on your own. You've kind of got to gear up. And again, yes, that, is a, that is a numbers game. Yeah, that is a numbers game. But I completely agree with where you're where you're talking about of. If you find yourself five to ten years into your career, you've been working at a practice. You know you can be. It can be. You've seen things. The way the way the world that you're in is in your own little bubble, and you're used to working in that art practice practices ways. And it's quite hard to have an understanding of the architectural market. And that's where I agree with you of branching out in your network, speaking to colleagues as well as that, speaking to friends within the profession is useful. But that's also quite interesting in our role, isn't it, where we speak to someone who's been working five to six years somewhere and it's kind of offering ideas that they haven't considered yet because of, as you say, Steve, the connections you built up over the years, seeing where other people have um, gone on from in similar positions and done really well. And we can impart that kind of knowledge. So jumping on from here, just really quickly. So our LinkedIn definitely works because look at this. We've got one or two things. So guys, someone really likes what we're doing. Someone anonymous. They say this is fantastic. So shout out to that, Stephen Glanz. This is because it's your first impression, your first time on here. People are thinking it's fantastic. So we've got to get you as a guest more as well. We've got one or two other um, questions that are here. Um I've got one or two statements and stuff. One says that offices, uh, Elizabeth's offices usually aren't able to reply on an application unless it's successful. I think that's partly due to right now so many applications. I mean, a lot of practices do try, but this is what, if you are applying direct, if you are especially someone who is in the beginning of this search, if you're an architectural graduate, there's no harm in calling for feedback. If you're polite about it, you might get the the feedback. Just, you know, try to come across humble and understanding and be like, look, I know you're really busy. It would just be great to have one or two minutes feedback. And I think that approach can really help at a graduate level because most architectural practices will want to help a graduate as well. Okay, so let's bang on to the next point. And then we've got one or two more questions coming in. So we talked about preparing for an interview. So let's jump upon this because let's say now you've got an interview in this current climate. So traditionally, Steve, we we have briefed many people in terms of a face-to-face interview. Now we have the combination of could be masks to masks interview or more. And what we're finding is the emergent interviews online. So I thought it would be good to talk about preparing for an interview. And what I think is the first point 
the first tip I would go around this point, the top 10 tips is when you're preparing for the interview, I would do research on your company. So if you have an interview through a recruitment consultant or direct, once you've clinched that interview, I think you've got to go on terms of what Jack Brown was talking about and go on their social media. You've got to engage in it. You've got to go on their website. You've got to study that company, try to find out who you're interviewing with, and then do a little bit of information, do a little bit of background work on that. If the recruitment consultant that you're working with has worked with that company for years, hopefully a good recruitment consultant will brief you up on for that interview. Uh, Stephen, you're really good at this in particular, giving a fantastic summary of what's happening. If you're going direct or you're a graduate, you need to make sure that you have a lay of the land. If they've just won um, permission for a planning proposal and a large-scale residential scheme, as Jack Moran says, if you go into the interview when you comment about that scheme, that's going to be a really good icebreaker, and they're going to think you're really engaged. And you can talk about that's the kind of work that you want to go into. But Steve, what's your thoughts right now in terms of preparing for an interview? Let's pretend it's an online interview or more about you've just got the confirmation you've got an interview. What's your first step? Well, I think you've summed it up really well. So you've covered a lot there. Um it goes back to our point that employers want to employ people that are genuinely interested in their company. Why? Because they'll be more enthusiastic. Enthusiastic people deliver better work. Enthusiastic people come across better to their practices clients. Enthusiastic people get on better with their colleagues. Yeah. People that are genuinely interested in the company will stay for longer. They can evolve with the company. They're worth more to the company. Um so you have to do your research. You have to be genuine. You have to be ready for the really basic bog standard question. Why are you interested in working for us? Mm. Okay. Now, you're not expected to know everything about the company. You've never worked there. You might not know anyone there. So all you need to be prepared to say is, look, what I know is this. And that's what interests me because this is what I've done. And this is what I'd like to do next. And I wondered if... That's a possibility with you guys because I really like your work. And then you're opening then up to talk. And I think, yes, it's an interview and you're meant to be explaining yourself, but it's great to get your interviewer talking as well because then you can't. And this is online, this is in person, whatever. Um, so, yeah, basically echo all of your points, but make that connection between you, your aspirations, what you've done, and the company, the job, and the person that you're engaging with. Brilliant. Amazing. We've had quite a few more stuff come in from LinkedIn. So it's definitely awesome. It works. One in particular I really quite enjoy is hello. And um, hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi, Sayo. Hello. Hello. All right. Yeah. So we definitely got a few thoughts and sentiments um, coming through as well. Uh, let's just jump ahead with one or two more of these and then maybe we can go through a few questions and we can if talk. I could, um, just jump in to Stephen on the um, yeah. back of what Glancy was just talking about in an interview, the idea of getting the interviewer talking as well. I mean, especially for graduates, they probably see an interview as, you know, like almost going up against the wall and just having to defend yourself at every corner. I think a lot of people overthink the process of an interview and see it as more of a, like a presentation where you have to show everything that you're capable of whereas what I like Lanzi saying is if you actually take the time to speak to the person interviewing you you'll be able to find out a lot more about the company but you should have done the research beforehand so you should know all that but the idea of being able to get to talk to them and talk about the work that they've done and the work that you've done and where you'd like to take that forward engaging the interviewer is going to sell yourself a lot more than just saying oh here on page one of my portfolio I've done this and page two I've done that and yes I worked at this place oh, yes avoid the monologue yeah. exactly the people when when it sounds like you're reading off a script even if you're not reading off a script yeah. people will pick that up from a mile away because your voice just becomes yeah it, it's almost monotonous like Lanzi said so definitely when you're going into the interview practice it practice you know take your take your parents take your friends the night before just have a practice run so when you go in there you're confident and you can ask questions they like it when you ask questions to get to know more about them and how you would be a fit into that practice I hear you I, I, I love you are, the more you can relax and be yourself yeah and the more you can relax and be yourself the more likely you are to get the job exactly I was I was just I was just giggling because now the world has now rumbled our 
affectionate name on our team for you, Steve, as Glanzy. Mr. <laughs> Stephen Glanz, Jack Moran. That's his name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's really going to pick me up on that one. I absolutely am, because well, I know it. I like to tease I, you. I, I've had this name for many, many, many years, and I'm not precious anyway, so that's fine. <laughs> we, love you. we love you, Stephen Glanz, Glanzy. I, I think there were really good points there, Jack. I think you hit the nail on the head. An interview is very much a conversation. Treat the interview with respect. You, you, you're, ha- you're humbled that they want to invite you for an interview, but it's an open conversation, isn't it? You're going to go in there and have a conversation. It's not an interrogation, as you say, whereas I think that uh, what I've noticed is a lot of graduates, especially, uh, almost visualize it as like an interrogation, like, who are you? Why are you? Why should I? And look, there's very few people that, um, there's very few companies that do that. And you're right. It's actually a frank conversation. And what you want to do is talk about your passions. You're grateful for the opportunity and by studying the company and, and learning of the projects and kind of talking about why you're interested in there and what you've done and what skill sets you have to offer. Hopefully. Good point, Steve. They could visit, you could visit one of the projects that maybe the director who's interviewing you led. Oh, wow. Now if there's an opportunity, go and do it. Oh, I went to that building. I love this. How did you find, how did you design that facade? It looks really interesting, you know? That put you ahead of the rest of the pack by a long way. Yeah, I agree. I think that makes complete sense. And so any for anyone here, just while we're going through the questions, I'm Stephen Drew. We've got Will Ridgway, Stephen Grant, Jack Moran. We're all on the architecture team at McDonald & Company. So you can get in contact with us on LinkedIn. You can also get in touch with us on McDonald & Company and as part of the architecture social. So we, we okay, wow, Will, I think I've done a terrible job of putting these points on of your uh of your top 10, I've butchered them. <laughs> so I kind of put number seven as be engaging in the interview, which I kind of feel was what we were talking about right now of what yeah. we've been engaging is, is having dialect, having conversation, keeping things moving, keeping, keep, and I think maybe what we can talk about in this part is that, look, if you're in an online interview right now as well, it's really important, I think, to rehearse that uh, because you're not physically there. So um, I think that to be engaging on a digital in a digital format is the new question, right? Because how many I, I, I've advised a lot of uh, architectural professionals going in into an interview, how to put their CV and portfolio, how to present their portfolio physically going through it. But it's actually a different art form online, especially in, in video interviews. You've got echoes and your sound your internet's going to be perfect you're going to be in a quiet room like you are now Stephen, isn't it whereas i know that you have a fantastic family you love your kids but you can't you in your interview you need to make you need to make actually uh the physical environment you've got to make the light shine on you so that you can be engaging you can have all the most amazing points in the world steve you can have gone to uh, my architectural practice and talked about the site, but if the internet is not strong enough, or there's noise in the background, and they or they can't hear you because the microphone's not good enough, I think that actually will adversely affect your interview. Um, it does. Um, it's happened on a few interviews that I've organised uh, for people. Um, no one's fault necessarily, and it the interviewers will actually be a little bit understanding, compassionate. But the fact of the matter is, if there weren't any issues with sound or image, there would have been a better conversation had. Yeah. And you want to have a good conversation. You talk about the lights, Steve. I think I need makeup on, on the top here. I've got a little reflection. Well, you you got, got a bit of sign. I got a bit of sign as well. <laughs> um, but no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, I've talked to people, and I'm not Mr. Tech, as you full well know. Um, but it, you you have to get used to sharing your work on a screen. You have to know the right point to be able to bring that into the conversation. Uh, a monologue in person is bad. A monologue online is even worse. So absolutely, don't just present blindly. Uh, use your interviewer to guide you. Say, well, I, I've got some of this, and I've got that. What would you like to see? What are you interested in? Let the interviewer guide you. Um, I think it's even more important online. But yeah, absolutely. Be prepared. Do dry runs. Check your tech. Get it quiet. If my kids came in here, they'd destroy it. 
or do something really funny, or both. Um, so yeah, Which, you, yeah, yeah, you have to have your quiet, your quiet zone for your interview. Well, even like now, is um, your microphone right now is because you stopped talking. I don't hear feedback, but the fact is, if you, it's all these little things. So this morning, we always do as part of the architecture team. We have a meeting in the morning, and because we know each other for so many years, and we kind of don't mind if we talk over each other a little bit because we're all friends here. But it's like knowing your medium, because actually, if it was a phone interview, Steve. You know, it's like, especially in the phone conference, you get massive lag, right? And, and remember when we used to do the Zooms in the morning, it's fine if everyone's on headphones, but if not, it can be a problem. And we've also had it sometimes, haven't we? I remember we arranged an interview for one of our clients, Steve, and the actual interviewer, his connection was faulty. So there was no video of the interviewer speaking to the interviewee. So you can have these obstacles thrown at you. And I think that we touched upon it briefly in a few of our other videos. And if you want to go into any of these points in more detail, we've done kind of an hour long version of every point here. But I just think that owning the tech helps because it's subliminally either i think compliments you get in the job right now or deters it so you could you what you don't want to it to be is to go like i interviewed stephen glanz i think he was fantastic but the call was a bit difficult i couldn't hear some of the words we said maybe we'll get him in for a second interview because if something like that happens you're losing the momentum and that's that's why i've learned so that's why when we're always in recruitment now i think that's uh in terms of briefing someone for an interview, I always talk about the tech as well. I don't think you can leave it till five minutes before, um, especially if it's the difference between you getting the job right now or not. Um, we've got a few more comments coming in, but I think, wow, so we've got some nice debates, some nice talk going on here. We, we've got a few talk. We've got one or two questions. One in particular talks about Salaries. I'm not going to go into that now, Kiana, but what I will say is that we have done, I have done a topic on the architectural social. You can check out our YouTube channel. And I think one of the hour long sessions that me, Jack, and Will did is talk about salaries, how to kind of go about that. As well as that, though, um, I think if you're working with a, a good recruitment consultant, we can normally. You know, and you're a bit further in your career, we can kind of gauge you along the way. But definitely check out that video that I talk about there. And so jumping on again, you can see all our names here. If you just joined us on LinkedIn, hello. Uh, we got down there, Stephen Glenn's. We're Ridgeway. Check them around. There you go. Okay. Hey, <laughs> the next one. So, so let's say hypothetically you've done your research, okay? Well, you've you've got your CV and portfolio, you've got your Excel graph, and you're you're following all the stuff down there, and you've engaged with employers, you've secured the interview, you've done your research, and you've basically you've made sure that you've gone in an interview with good clear room, you've done your interview. Now you need to follow up and get feedback. Part of um our role is always trying to get good feedback. It can be very, very difficult. If you're a graduate in particular, there's going to be a lot of competition. It's always a bit more difficult if you don't have a direct relationship with the directors, which is one advantage of recruitment, a good recruitment consultant would have is that because we've known people for years, we can kind of speak to them and say, hey, how did it go with uh, Helen's interview? How did it go with Tom's interview and, and kind of get that feedback? If you're a graduate, now you got to remember that there's probably a few people they've seen. So I would suggest that it is always good to follow up and get feedback. Maybe give it a few days or try and in the interview to always ask when they're going to be making a decision. So then, and then mentally remember that date. And then I would try, I would follow up. And the, Put it in the Excel spreadsheet, team. Yes, yes, good idea. This Excel spreadsheet is paying off in dividends already. So you, 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 you do that. And the point is, I think in life, you have to ask, you have to follow things up, whether it's working with the recruitment consultant or whether it is working, you know, the, tracing the company that you've had an interview with. There's, it's, it's, it's about doing it in a nice way, but also actually doing it, going, hi, how's it gone so far? I had a fantastic interview before. I'm calling to see if there's any update. And as well as that, in your job search, if you have updates on your side, so say now another company has made you 
um, an offer and you want to find out news from the other company, it's always good to inform the recruitment consultant or inform the company. So you can go, look, I appreciate you coming back to me on Thursday. Just so you know, I've got an offer. It's Tuesday. That's fine. I can wait till it's Thursday, but I need to make a decision. So there are a few of my random thoughts. The point is it is good to get feedback. It's absolutely fine. And I think it's very important. Mr. Glanz, uh, Mr. Stephen Glanz, what's your thoughts on uh, following up and getting feedback? It's something we all want for very good reason. You know, we're all trying to do the best that we can, whether you're applying for a job or you're managing the process as an agent. Um, you won't always get it, uh, is the sad thing. And that comes down to time quite a lot. Uh, as someone was pointing out earlier on, you know, companies only come back to you if they're interested. There's not much anyone can do to affect that other than what Steve's saying, call up, you know, ask in a nice way, try and get the feedback. One, one point that was going on in my head is that um, years ago, I went for my first job in recruitment and I actually uh, went through one of my brother's friends who was himself a recruitment son. And he gave me some feedback for the interview. Now, I ended up getting the job at Hastings Road, but he gave me some fairly brutal feedback. And I was a bit taken aback. I was like, ooh, okay. Ooh, didn't like that much. Uh, he was right, though. <laughs> he was absolutely right about what he said. And I've never forgotten it. And all I'd say is probably direct feedback is more useful than having something dressed up, watered down, you know. So I think if you ever get feedback that sounds a bit harsh from an employer or a recruitment consultant, it is only one opinion. Remember that. And you can't please all the time. However, take it on board as well. Um, because sometimes the truth can hurt a little bit, but then you realize, well, I can use this. This is great, actually. That's actually useful. I'm going to try. Remember that. And I've been through it myself. I agree. All right. Good. Good forwards there. So let's, let's, let's jump ahead. With, unless, uh, Jack, will you happy to jump ahead to the next point? Yeah, I'm happy. All right, gentlemen. Okay, I've reworded this slightly because we had this down as get an offer right now, say yes. <laughs> and that was There's the point. There's a question mark there, though. Yeah, I've changed it because I was like, is it too much? But there we go. It's let me leave me retrained. I can make that. Say yes. Well, uh, I think you should always want to go to the job you want to. So maybe, I don't know if it should be say yes. But point is right now, I do think that we are in basically coronavirus recession, right? I'm not going to remind anyone of the news. Okay, let's, let's rephrase it. Say yes. I think take any offer seriously. Take it very seriously. You do not want to be flippant with an offer right now. That's what I would say. As in, let's pretend you want to work for... You've always set your goal in Fosters and Partners, and Fosters and Partners are full, or they're unable to hire. There is definitely worth right now considering options that you might normally not have considered or casting the net a bit further ahead. Speak with people about, so if it's a recruitment consultant, speak with people about where you want to go, the skills you want to learn. And I think with practices, maybe not judge them just purely on their website or a few other things or not purely on accolades. I would say when you've got an offer, that it should evaluate what you can get from it and take it seriously. So that's why I still think yes should be a question mark. Let's change it. Let's put it back. Um, get an offer? Say yes. Mm. Well, I think you just need to say yes. It's definitely a question mark. It depends on your circumstances. If you're employed, that's one thing. If you're unemployed, that's another thing. Um, yeah. There's lots of things to consider. You've got to be happy. Um, I think if... And if something's just not going to work, then you need to be honest with yourself and the employer that, that it isn't going to work. You know, maybe it's just too far to travel in, in you know, presuming we're commuting at some point in the next next year or so. Uh, maybe you've got kids and they can't offer you the flexibility you need. You know, it's more than just the money and the job. It's about lifestyle. It's about well-being. And I know these are sort of Words are getting bounded around, but they, they do mean something. And I think the coronavirus has, has really brought it home how much they mean to people. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think yeah, I, I, I agree. Be open minded, Stephen, absolutely. Um, the money thing, yeah, again, be open minded. I mean, my mentor at the moment is if you can get 
If you need another job and you can get the same money you were on in your last job, that's a success. If you get an increase, brilliant. If you get a small decrease, still consider it. Um, if it's too big a decrease, then you probably can't trust that employer and they should be hiring someone else because it's a more junior job. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, always consider it. But absolutely, if it isn't right, whatever reason, then, then don't take it. I agree. I think that's really good. So it's taken off as seriously. I think being a bit more open-minded right now is useful, especially as you say, Stephen, if you are unemployed, I would be very open-minded. I know we all want to work for the dream architectural practice. So that's what I did. You know, I had very, uh, well, you will, you know me now, so you'll giggle, but you know, I would have killed to work at Heatherwick Studio. I absolutely love Heatherwick Studio. I was just, um, the the kind of person that would work in Thomas Heatherwick, um, I actually found that I preferred commercial architecture practices. But the point is, at the time, can you imagine how hard it is to get into a practice like Heatherwick? It's going to be a lot of competition. So what I'm saying is, imagine if I was just fixated on Heatherwick, I never would have gone to EPR Architects. I never would have realized that I actually really like working in a commercial architectural practice where Things are slightly a little bit different, but it's equally quite interesting and good architecture. And actually, working at EPR Architects has got me to here now, and it's that whole weird and wonderful journey if you were fixated on one idea. So if you were fixated on just working on maybe more design-oriented practices that you are familiar with uh, against an architectural practice which is less famous, but actually can offer you a lot of skill sets and abilities, then, you know, then you're missing out. better quality of life, potentially. Yes. Sorry, Steve, your, your internet cut off a bit for me, but I think you said like a better life or water offers you. Quality of life, yeah. Yeah, amazing. All right. And so the next point, remember, so we've got it down here, is build your network to do well for yourself and to protect your future. So, Will, you wrote that. What does that mean, my friend? Can you, can you explain? Oh, uh, no. It was just words. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so I think once you're, once you're in a job, even before you're in a job, uh, it's always important to, um, to get to know other people in the industry, whether that's, um, you know, if you're a graduate, maybe other graduates, um, but as well as employers, um, and connecting them on LinkedIn, through the architecture social, um, or through actual mm. face-to-face contact, which is unlikely at the moment, but that's what that's what you'd do in the old days. And when I say the old days, I mean last year. Um, but um, the reason why it's important is that it helps you in the job that you're in at the moment, because you're, um, you know, you you might hear about, uh, you, you you might be able to learn new skills through connections. Um, but also what I mean by protect your future, it helps you, you know, if the practice you're at at the moment, you know, suddenly not doing well, or perhaps you need to move on, you have other connections and makes your job hunt a lot easier. If you know people in the industry already, you don't have to go on to job sites. You don't have to start loading up a list to say, right, I need to target this practice, this practice. You might already know Dave from down the road, who's a director at another studio. And you'd be like, I'd love to work there. And you already have that interpersonal relationship with them. And that's going to benefit you in the long run. So that's what I mean by that, really. Right, I love it. While you were talking there, I've been typing something. Because if you remember, gentlemen, so our team, McDonald Company, our slogan is hashtag be connected which at first I was like, okay, it's another hashtag. But if you think about what was that is about, right? Be connected. I actually do like the saying because the point of what you're saying, Will, is if you are connected, then great. You're going to make more opportunities for yourself. And remember we were talking about, remember when I was talking about the other week or two about recruitment consultants, you should be there. You should think about who you want to work with. Okay, should be expanding your network with quality contracts, uh, contacts. You should be going out to networking events, of course. You should be engaging into the community. You should be collaborating with architects. And when you work with a recruitment consultant, think about who they are. Think about opportunities. And maybe if it's not a role right now, what I did say is, remember, I've spoken sometimes to people for two to three years, and I've gone, look, I've got the right opportunity right now. When something pops up along what you're interested in, I'll get in touch and I'll let you know. And I think that's what it's all about. So building that network and selecting who you want, I'm going to put in a slogan on hashtag, how do I do a hashtag? Hashtag be connected. So I kind of do think there's a point in that. And that's where actually 
what I enjoy in the job. I enjoy constantly meeting architectural practices. Okay, it's a bit more difficult to go to their offices right now, but that is the joy of our job, going to an architectural practice and working out um, what they are, their company culture. And then when we uh, go out there in the weird and wonderful world of architectural recruitment, and when we speak to someone and we go, do you know what? I think you'd be really good for this company culture. And I think that's the magic. And that comes from um, over time building quality uh, connections. And I think, you know, if you're in architectural practice right now, or even if you're leaving, remember, you're going to, you should leave always on good terms. You should always keep them connections. And like what Will said, protecting your future, always do a stellar job, always leave on good terms, always try to get a reference. Steve, we know about lending uh, employment on good notes. It always helps in terms of oh, moving geez. to your next job. Hugely. Um, just on a personal level, why would you want to let people down? I mean, yeah. if you did let people down, they're your colleagues, they're your friends, and then you've got your clients who might be clients of the future practice. You've got your own considerations, so relationships, references. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, always, always leave on good terms. Always build bridges, not boundaries, really, isn't it? And it's not just within architecture, you know, engineers, urban designers, people in technology outside of our industry. I met a practice once, and the, uh, one of the owners said, oh, I never go to these architecture events. Why would I want to talk to a load of architects? I already know a load of architects. I need to go to these other events and speak to uh, software engineers or, I don't know, robotics specialists or yeah. um, urban farmers. Or, you know, it's like, I don't need to know any more about that at my, <laughs> at my stage. Market. It was a good point. Yeah, talk to people all over the place and then find relevance for that in your in your life and your career. I love it. I think I think that um makes complete sense for me. I, I think there's some really good things there. I'm just gonna do a little shout out to one or two things. I like this quite message from Rakesh. I think you'll enjoy this actually, guys. Afternoon all great advice from the panel. I run an architectural startup in Manchester, small independent practice, happy to connect with a uh, young oh. graduates. With a broad range of experience. Hashtag be connected. Good, hey, on, you, hey. good on you. Yeah, good on you. There you go. Any architectural graduates get in touch. That's what it's all about. Hey, I love that. That's the whole good, point. Good of luck it. with the business. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's quite interesting, isn't it? That even though it's difficult times, some awesome new ideas um, start up from it. I mean, hey, being on furlough as well, absolutely love what I do in, in terms of McDonald Company. And me going a bit bored on furlough is why we got the architectural social. And worth plugging that in briefly. So let's talk about the architectural social. If you haven't joined already, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I've got, there we go. You can request to join the community of over 2,000 people, 2,000 architects. Ignore what Stephen Grant's friend said. You do want to connect with other architects in the industry and definitely collaborate. It's a really good place. We post architectural jobs there from what we do at McDonald & Company. But you've got some amazing graduates. You've got some really interesting conversation going. We've got a book club at the moment, which yesterday there was, I think we're on chapter three of a particular book. I'm not the best at reading books, but I do like going along because I think it's quite good fun. And how we have a little chat on the end of it. Um, as well as that, there's some really cool and interesting stuff. So as well, so the architectural social is awesome. Let's talk about where you can find us all. So again, so I'm Stephen Drew. We've got Will Ridgeway. We've got Stephen Glanz and Jack Moran. We are the architecture team at McDonald & Company. Let's talk briefly about McDonald & Company. Awesome recruitment company. So uh, recruitment consultancy, I should say. So my understanding, I should have a good understanding. I've worked here for three years. It's been a good three years. McDonald & Company has been around uh, since 1994. We're the preferred uh, uh, recruitment consultancy for the RACS, which is the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors, which means that we recruit across the whole, the broad spectrum from real estate, surveyors, planning, architecture, and as for architecture, as well as we have offices around the globe. So in my opinion, we cover everything across the real estate, everything from investment, everything from funding, everything from technical services, everything from Jack Moran working with amazing office managers and architects. We, we literally, we have done the whole shebang, which means that we do get a nice bird's eye picture, especially right now during difficult times of the construction sector. And in terms of what we do is we work on the architectural roles, which also I think we've had a lot of success, Steve. Let's talk briefly a little bit about you've you've helped with 
historically client side positions as well, architects transitioning into uh, in-house architectural roles, and you've you've done the client side positions. Do you want to kind of give me a little, uh, maybe the audience, because it's the first time on you, a little bit about your background, Steve, in terms of recruitment or what you do with us? Sure. Um, okay. So I've been doing it a long time. Uh, I progressed relatively recent history, I suppose, the last sort of, I don't know, five, seven years, <laughs> uh, into more senior appointments uh, as a director's, anything with sort of associate upwards in practice, and then yeah. also just that client-side roles or, or roles outside of practice. So I did some work with property consultancies, I worked with developers, uh, some public sector bodies or less of that. Um, a little bit of construction, working with some modular firms, so all sorts and. Yeah, I, the reason I've worked for this company for so long, I suppose, is a few things. I do like the people. People got their head screwed on, but they're not overly formal. So it's a friendly place, yet professional. It's not corporate. Um, I like the network. Like you said, we've got a bird's eye view on things. I like the fact that our colleagues can tell us where the money's being moved around in terms of investment, what the developers are doing, which ones are active. Yeah. Uh, which sectors and typologies therefore are active, which regions are active. I find it interesting and is useful for me, for our clients and for our job seekers. Um, and that's, that's my story. Roughly Amazing. It, it did come out a little bit, but I, I think I got the general Sorry. gist of it. Sorry. No, it's, it's, it's cool. And look, I, I think that's what's amazing about all of us here is that actually in terms of uh, what I enjoy about what we do is we all kind of come from different backgrounds, different veins with a common goal. The idea is actually what I enjoy about recruitment is get when the because the process I find can be um, at times a bit difficult. And if you, when you for, when you find someone and you identify an awesome skill set and you, you listen to what they're looking for or where they're in the career and you actually make a positive difference, that is actually quite fun. Of course, there's a lot that goes on in the background. I really do enjoy it. But I think, Steve, as well, I've learned especially an awful lot from yourself since joining the uh, McDonald Company architecture team. So, um, oh, hang on. I've got a sound effect here. So, Stephen, let me see if you can hear this. This is for you. Did you hear that? Oh, yes. Stephen. Thank you so much. much. I, I absolutely love oh, There's a redhead in front of the audience here. No, thank <laughs> you, Stephen. I've, le I've, I've learned a lot from you, and I enjoy working with, with all you guys. It's good. So you have so many different attributes that I do not have in terms of your skill set and where you go about things like this. You know, uh, I would never have come up with anything like this, which is really useful for everybody. So, yeah. Yeah. Been mutual. And, and and for me as well, especially with Will and Jack, because um, what's been great, so Jack's still always on the architecture team. Jack's actually branching out to do a little bit of planning as well, because I think he's, as a man of many talents, Jack, you might be doing a bit of planning, but you, you're always one of the architecture boys, right? So I think that's great, okay, that you... On this team, we do multiple roles. We're a company. We all work together with multiple roles. And, well, I think a big testament that both you and um, – actually, this goes to Stephen Glantz, but I want to highlight to Will Ridgway as well. What I think is really important and what I take away from this, yes, it's handy that I worked in architectural practice. And on the team, we have the fact that I've worked in an architectural practice. But – it's not the be-all and end-all with recruitment. I did think that was a big thing. I'd be like, guys, did you really, did you really, did you, have you done the late nights in industry? And look, it does help, but it's not the be-all and end-all. And what I've learned from you guys, Will as well, and Steve, actually, it's about understanding architecture, listening to people, kind of working out what a problem is, working out where they're at, and trying to find solutions, trying to find the right fit. It's not about just bugging anyone into a role because that always as we know and we have seen and we've heard a million times and i'm sure it's all happened to all of us early in our career it's not the right thing because it always goes wrong and then the person leaves the job they're not happy so it's about doing things the right way and that's what we're all about so thank you very much on that note for the that's why i'm very happy i thank you will Okay, I've got to stop doing the clap effect. I've got one or two other effects here as well. I've got um, 
I tell you whatever effect I've got. Look, we're running out of time soon, guys. So we got it. So that. So there we go. That's the look. Oh wait, it's fifty nine minutes. So this is the lunch break. This is the lunch break. We've got forty seconds. I think we've done a nice little swan entry. We'll see one or two comments. We'll see if we can get it all in. Sincere thanks for all four of you. It's very insightful, Greg. I think what we're going to do, we're going to look at doing a little lunchtime special. Uh, we've, we're going to look at mixing up the formula. I think I've, I've quite enjoyed doing this deal at lunchtime. Maybe what we can do is let's offer value during um, a, a bit of a crazy time. And between this and next week, well, let's have a think about what industry trends we see, gentlemen, what, what value we can offer architectural practices as well as uh, job seekers right now. Talk about any new roles we have. Let's do the architecture show. So that's been bang on one hour. And great timing. Clock watcher. No problem, Pierre. That's what we do. Thanks, Stephen. Very interesting. So thanks. Uh, well, thanks to us all. There you go. The two Stevens and Will Richway, Jack Moran. We've got many thank yous. I've really enjoyed doing this. We will post one next week. You can watch the replay on YouTube. I will post it later. And let's all... Let's see each other next week. Should we do it, guys? 12.45? Love it. Thank you so much, everyone. We are going to sign off now. I'm going to end the stream. Steve, stay in the group because it doesn't mean that a broadcast ends. Jack Moran, don't go anywhere as well. And everyone, we will see you next week. Thank you. you Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Bye.